again, episode two. Um, welcome. Uh, you want to just go ahead and say your name and kind of what you do? Yeah. Hi, um, I'm Lisbeth Delgado. Um, I am a social worker. So um, I mainly work um, with adopted families. That's something I think a lot, of, a lot of people don't really talk about, like yeah. the fact adoptive families do sort of need a little bit extra support mm-hmm. and the fact that there are those services that are available. So right. what exactly do you do in your program? So I provide therapy. So individual therapy for um, the child's family therapy for all to get like all the family. Um, just kind of talking to parents um, and like, yeah, like what you're saying is right on. Like, you know, people like talking about adoption isn't really common. And um, yeah, I just, you know, it's interesting how kind of life brought me, you know, to this program because before that um, I was working full-time at a group home um, and the kids in the home um, experience some type of trauma. So um, they, you know, they're, they have a lot of needs. Right. And so, um, you know, I saw them, you know, working on their goals and, you know, we worked like the agency worked for, um, to have these children, um, be placed in a foster home. And so, but I didn't really think about like, okay, like, yes, like these kids are going into foster homes and some of these kids are going to be, you know, adopted. And so, and um, and the work doesn't stop, you know, and, and a lot of times when, you know, families adopt, right. Um, you know, especially when they adopt at a young age, right. There's a lot of things that come up, right. That come up that they might not have thought about in the past. And so that's sometimes when we come in to where I hear, you know, parents coming in saying, okay, my, my child needs help either behaviorally, um, you know, trying to explore their cultural identity, um, you know, attachment, you know, maybe the parents don't really feel um, a strong connection to the child, right? Or the child doesn't really feel that connection to the parents. Um, and so that's kind of where I come in and, you know, we, and we talk about that and we explore that and we work through that. So it's interesting. I didn't realize that you had worked at a, uh, a group home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I worked there full time, um, and then I, I I left for a year, um, and then I ended up going back part time. And so, um, it really did. It was my first job right after undergrad, after I graduated, and that kind of inspired me to continue with um, going into graduate school and get my social work um, masters. Um, but like that really took a toll on me. That really took a toll on me because, um, you know, just, I really enjoy working with kids and just kind of like helping out. Um, but I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. So like, I literally like had, um, nightmares. I really had nightmares, like, uh, because, you know, and just some of these behaviors, you know, were really intense, you know, because these children went through some, you know, experienced a lot of trauma. And 
I, I think at that time, I didn't realize that until I was working there. And so it kind of also triggered me in certain aspects of my life. And I felt super tired. And I, and at one point I was like, I can't do this any longer, you know? And so, um, like I want to help, but I don't see myself doing this and it's a lot. And I think one of the reasons why I decided to go back and do part-time is also to kind of check, check myself, right? Because I'm trying to educate parents and provide them with support. Um, and so, but like, I wanted to, you know, continue my work, my direct work with the kids because like, I want to check myself. Like if, if I can't do that, like I can't expect parents to, you know, to um, do what I say, right? Like I have to like practice what I preach kind of, kind of that type of mentality. And so I also like practice what I'm telling my, you know, sharing with my, the parents that I'm working with, you know? And so um, a lot of times, you know, I do encourage parents, like, take your time, like, you know, spend time for yourself, um, you know, check in with yourself, you know, when you're, you know, engaging in, in a conversation with your child. And so I try to practice that when I'm at the group home. Um, and so it just, yeah, so overall, it has been a, a great experience. That's so interesting, like the fact that you decided to go back after taking a year. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't really hear about people doing that. I know. At least not in my experience. Yeah. 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 And I had said, I had said no. And, but the thing is, there's a lot of turnover and for many reasons. Um, and so, you know, they, they called me, you know, again, you know, for the second time. And at that point, I was in a good spot in my life. I think I was like able to, mentally emotionally handle that work um but I also around that time I had been introduced to TBRI um trust-based relational intervention and it's basically like um um an intervention that helps like parents and children connect it's all about attachment their relationship helping that connection um, get stronger. And I was like, so obsessed with it. I was like, I want to learn more about TBRI. Like I want to practice it. And, um, and so I was like, okay, let me just say yes. And let me go back again. You know, like I was saying, like, I want to practice what I preach. And so like, I want to put in my TBRI skills and I want to see, how this works like how am I feeling um and I actually like really now enjoy when I'm working there I do limit my time there um because I don't want to overwork myself anymore um I want to prioritize my mental health and um you know just my free space but um when I do go I find myself enjoying my time with these kids and connecting with them in a very like playful nurturing way um but I feel like I'm able to do that now because I've put in so much work to myself um if I if I were to say like how how was I doing like when I was there I don't remember like you know four four years ago let's say um working there full-time you know if you were to ask me how's my job doing there I would have said like oh like I just can't wait to get out of there 
just because it was just so stressful and I wasn't, you know, taking care of myself at that time. So do you still put in time over there? Um, every now and then. Yeah. So like if somebody calls off, they'll reach out to you and then you can say yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm pretty much like a part-time fill-in. Um, but yeah, but, um, you know, every now and then, like I said, like I really want to like prioritize myself. So I've, um, I've created some boundaries there where I can say no. I think before was like, before I was like, sure, I'll, I'll cover because I know how hard it is to cover a shift. Um, and they have to find someone, you know, the, the kids live there, you know, someone has to be there with them. Um, and so like, I would feel like, I would feel the need to say, okay, yes, like I'll be there. Um, but now I'm okay with saying, no, I can't make it. I already have plans or I, this is my rest day and I'm going to honor that. And so, um, so I'm okay with just kind of being a fill in, um, and just, you know, choosing when, when to work and when to not. And I think that's so important in any job, but I think specifically with the work that you do, Mm -hmm. just because it is so draining. Yeah. And it requires just so much emotional um, connection and uh, effort and brain power. So I think it's important that you were able to do that. Mm -hmm. You were able to take a step back and then be like, okay, I do enjoy the work. I do want to continue to do this. But I'm going to do this now with, you know, certain boundaries in place mm-hmm. and certain um, a certain mindfulness as well present. Right. Yeah. And I think the key was like the boundaries and, you know, just checking in with myself, because if if I were to put those boundaries, I, I don't think I would handle it. And, and again, that's like one reason why I did leave, because. I was just, it was just so draining and I kept saying, yes, yes, like I'll work and I'll, you know, you know, working long shifts and, and it, you know, it just takes a toll. And so, um, and I'm still working through, (laughs) through boundaries, you know, just kind of like how, you know, to go about it and when to place them. And so how are these boundaries will benefit me? Um, but I think I've come a long way and I, and I'm, and I'm proud of that because it definitely has helped yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's something that we all need, not just for work, but I think life in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for you, what was that transition like of stepping back and be like, okay, I have to focus on me? Like what happened during that transition of working full time, taking that time off and then deciding to come back? Like, what do you feel you did for you during that time? Oh, that's a good question. And it was a process because um, I didn't really see it that way. I think I was just kind of like, I'm ready to move on and I can't handle this. But I think at that time, me being able to say, I am moving on and I'm, you know, and I'm letting go was kind of my way of saying like, I'm taking care of myself, which is interesting though, because I was full-time and then went part-time and then 
I left a break for a year. And so it was kind of like a very long transition. Um, and in, and there was a lot of things that I didn't agree with. And I felt like I, because I didn't put boundaries for myself at work, I felt like there were times where, you know, my boss would know that, you know, I would be okay with picking up other shifts, you know? And so that, and I didn't really feel like I was being appreciated at that time. Um, and so, and so I left, right. And so now I work with adoptive families and kind of seeing it now, like my way of taking care of myself was just kind of like letting that go and going somewhere where, um, you know, somewhere new. So, but I didn't really focus on myself necessarily until shit just, oh, you know, things just started, you know, coming up in life. Life happened. Um, a lot of things in my personal life were changing. Um, a lot of triggers were happening. Um, and so I, you know, pretty much hit like rock bottom, let's say, where at that time I was like, okay, like I need, to take care of myself like I'm doing too much um you know and I started therapy um and so that just you know was really helpful it was a long process it's you know I wouldn't be able to give you like a timeline because you know like it was going well for me and then something happened and then like I started going to there I you know the first time around I was like I did the EAP is it um the employment employment mm -hmm. employment uh I can't remember what it's called but basic employee assistance program yes. I think yes so I did that um twice and so the first time around um I did I started with the three free sessions and um and I wasn't really feeling her, but I was like, okay, I really need to like check in with myself and like figure this out because I was like seriously not in it. You know, like I was working, but I was not giving what I needed to, to my families. And so like there were times where I would literally, and so whenever our services are home-based, and so we are able to provide therapy in their home, which is really great. Um, and so, you know, our program is free, um, home-based services. Um, and so, you know, and the parents loved that we would able to drive to the home and, you know, provide that therapy. And so I, I would find myself, like, driving to my client's house and, like, crying and then, like, to, you know, going into their house and like, can I use your restroom? And just kind of like wash my hands, washing my face and like looking in the mirror and like telling myself, okay, get it together, Liz. <laughs> like you're about to do a therapy session with your clients, like, and like taking a deep breath. Um, and so like, I kept going to this one therapist, right? And so, but we weren't really clicking. Things that she would tell me was like, didn't really make sense to me. Like, you're telling me this, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, so we weren't connecting and I stopped. I was like, you know what? I got it together. 
let's move on. And so obviously I did not get it together. Um, so I tried it again, which I love this therapist. I loved her so much. Um, a Latina therapist. I felt like we had a great connection. Like we, you know, I felt like she heard me. She understood me. She was getting what I was saying. Um, unfortunately she wasn't in my network, so I had to find someone else. Um, and so I was really bummed about that because I was like, oh my goodness, like, I love her. <laughs> like, I really enjoyed going to her office and just letting it all out. Uh, like, I had never felt so seen before. Um, and so, I, you know, I tried it again with someone in my network. And um, and I've been working with her for two years now. Um, so I recently made, you know, two years with her. So... Um, it's been great. She is, um, she is, um, not a social worker. So like her views in therapy are a little bit different. Like she's very like individual, like I'm, you're working on yourself and let's work through that. Um, I'm very, I feel like I'm very like bubbly and like, I laugh when things make me uncomfortable or I kind of like joke around sometimes when I, you know, especially, yeah, especially when I feel uncomfortable. And so she's not like that. She's kind of like very straightforward. Um, you know, I do feel like she, she definitely like hears me out and I do feel validated. And so, but she has a very different, you know, personality and she's very like to the point and like, there's no bullshit here type of thing. And she calls me out. And I think that's what I appreciate about her. There have been times where I did get mad and I purposely did not schedule the next week because she made me mad in a session. But then looking back, I was like, no, like that made sense. I was just like in my feelings being defensive. Um, so she has definitely challenged me in so many ways. Um, and so it has been a long ass process. I think now I'm at a place where I know, like, okay, like, yes, therapy has to help me. This is what I need to do. I need to focus on myself. Um, and with also the, the TBRI training that I was um, talking to you about, um, a lot of that is attachment, right? But also it encourages parents to do, to like reflect on their past history, their past childhood and their own trauma. And so um, I became a practitioner. So I went through training and part of that training was um, I was, they did a, um, an adult attachment interview, which they asked me about my childhood and my parents and how were my parents with me and how I responded to them. And so it was very, um, it was very insightful. Okay, because I didn't realize how much my childhood impacted me in the way that I like connect with the world and different relationships in my life. Um, and I just, I, and I just feel like human peace is so important. And, and then, um, so I've been working through that. Like I've been working through my childhood trauma and it has been tough but I've been doing it and I think that now I'm able to go into session with my clients and hear my clients out um, and not be triggered 
by their stories, you know, not be triggered by what the parents are saying, you know, uh, because I, I might disagree with, with some of the comments that they say. Right. But, um, before I felt like I was taking that in, I was like internalizing it. And so, and I was like, I can't do that. You know, I need to check myself. And so by checking in with myself, um, now, you know, I can go to, to, I can go to work and, you know, I can focus on my clients and I, I can meet my own needs and I can process through my own emotions. And I enjoy going to work now, you know, like I look forward to working with families. Um, and so it's just been a long journey, but you know, it's, you know, it's a, it's a great journey. Well, yeah, it definitely sounds like you've definitely like gone through a process of kind of getting to a point where the work in itself isn't overbearing. Mm -hmm. But again, I think it sounds that a lot of it has come from you sort of taking a step back to reflect on not only the things you needed to do for you like presently, but also learning to really work through those impacts of your childhood mm -hmm. on your current life and in the work. Cause again, like, I don't know if you would call it vicarious trauma, but it sounds like you were definitely carrying a lot of weight when it came to oh, doing yeah. the work. I, I agree. Yeah. And I think that's a lot. That's one of the things that a lot of people don't really focus on. Um, the fact that it's hard for therapists to find therapy mm -hmm. too. And so one of the things I wanted to ask is, was ethnicity important for you when searching for a therapist? Um, good question. I think, so I want to say too, like before, um, yes, I want to say yes, it was. Um, I think before I went to individual therapy, I did try family therapy with my mom. And so, um, I, you know, we were looking for a bilingual therapist and so and it didn't work out, unfortunately, with family therapy. So, but after that, I was very resistant, I would say, with going back to therapy. Um, because I was like, well, I'm a, I'm a therapist, you know, like, I need, I need to get it together, you know, you know, that just, it was just crazy to me, like, like, me as a therapist need to go to therapy, like, what can it? is that you know but no like yes like therapists do need therapy like it's healthy we need it and that's okay um and so at that point the first the first time around um when I went like I mentioned like we just didn't click um and and we didn't click because I felt like she just didn't really understand where I was coming from and like the cultural aspects of my issues and and then I stopped seeing her. And so the next time around, I, yes, I looked for someone who, um, I wanted a female therapist. So I was looking for a Latina therapist, um, which was, it, I was pretty, it was pretty challenging. Um, and it kind of sucked because when I met the one therapist that I felt a great connection, I couldn't keep seeing her because of my insurance. And so that's just like really frustrating to me because 
accessing services sometimes can be super difficult. And like, I felt overwhelmed by trying to reach out and finding a therapist for myself. And so, and I'm in the field, you know, like, and I can't imagine other people who, you know, never, you know, tried out therapy services. And so kind of like the starting point can be super difficult, but, um, but I definitely was aiming for um, a Latina therapist, and that was very important to me. And if you don't mind me asking, is your current therapist yeah. Latina? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah, so I've been working with her, with her for two years, um, and I feel like that has definitely helped. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the things I kind of wanted to ask as well is what kind of inspired you to go into this field oh so I you know that's a good question because I hear it a lot (laughs) I've been hearing it a lot just like throughout my career and throughout you know college um, and undergrad I mean graduate school um and I think like overall like, I knew I wanted to, like, help out. Um, and at the beginning in undergrad, I was going to major in photography and graphic design. Um, I declared it in everything. I took, like, a whole, like, semester of, like, photography classes. Um, and one of my projects that I really did enjoy was kind of, like, um, it was, my project was about, um, relationships like you know different types of relationships and I was I was taking pictures of like couples of families of siblings and I really enjoyed that um and I worked at the you know the Sears photography which no longer is um available but um I just like really enjoyed it and also like as a teenager I worked through um, the park district um, and I would teach about bike safety in, uh, Chicago camps and just talking to the kids, they're just so bright. And I just loved it. I love that interaction with kids. Um, and like I said, like, you know, my first job after undergrad was in the group home. And although like I knew it was, you know, it was super hard. I was like, okay, this is something that I want to continue um, you know, and I just kind of went for social work. Um, I think just kind of me landing with, you know, the adoption preservation program was just kind of like, uh, you know, just a great transition. I wasn't planning on to, it just kind of like happened and I'm glad that it did because it just makes so much sense, um, in my timeline. Okay. So you originally didn't, you didn't have planned to go into the field. It kind of just happened. Like into social work, are you saying? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, I wasn't necessarily thinking about social work. Um, I I um, graduated from undergrad and I, I majored in sociology and criminology with a minor in um, um, women's studies, um, women and gender studies. And so right there, I knew that I wanted to help. Like I wanted to work with people. Um, so I knew that, but I didn't, didn't necessarily think about social work. 
Um, I, I did a study abroad program. That was kind of my thing where I tried to take any, any opportunity and study abroad. And in my last study abroad from undergrad, um, it was a mixed program. It was undergrad students with graduate students. And actually I had already graduated, but I still went on the trip. Um, just because I wanted to take advantage of that opportunity. And I remember um, a professor, the graduate professor, she's like, huh, like you haven't thought about going into social work, you know, going, you know, going to graduate school. And I was like, mm, you know, I haven't really thought about it. Um, and that kind of stuck with me. And I think, um, well, I took a break. Off, I took a break from undergrad after I got from undergrad into grad school. Um, I went to Florida to, I worked at Disney World and, um, and again, just kind of work, like seeing different families just kind of like was interesting to me. Um, and just being, you know, getting a job at the group home was like, okay, like in order for me to do more, this is where I need to go. Like I need to get my, you know, um, my master's in social work in, in order for me to do more for, you know, in, in my field. So it was kind of like a, um, you know, just kind of figuring out as I, as I went. Okay. But you kind of did have a foot in the door. Like you knew that you wanted yeah. to work with people. Like that's yeah. been there from the beginning. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's always so fascinating. Like people's journey into this field mm -hmm. is so different. And like to, to think that you started off with yeah. photography and then you did criminology, which uh -huh. I had no idea about. Um, and then sociology with, you know, a minor in yeah. women and gender studies. So did you want to work only with children or did you or have you considered at some point transitioning to adults? So I think at first I wanted to work more with women. And I, I just like, you know, throughout my life, I had more experience with kids, you know, just kind of like, especially like, you know, I worked with the park district, um, you know, um, for like, I don't know how many years, since I was like 15 until I was like 21, 22, I can't remember. So for a really long time. And I was like, okay, I, I'm comfortable working with kids. And so I just kind of went with it. Um, I did think about working with older adults too. Um, but I think that, I think just that was, um, that could have been a little bit more triggering for me. And I was like, you know what, maybe that's, you know, I'm not going to go there. You know, I'm just going to go where somewhere where, you know, I'm comfortable. So I, I would be open to exploring, you know, um, working with different populations, but, you know, for now, I think just, you know, continuing to work with families and kind of like being confident in the work that I'm doing, I, you know, that's, that's where I want to be because sometimes, you know, I do doubt myself a lot. Well, mom, much less now, but before when I first started, um, especially because like parents would see me and, um, I feel like I look very young and especially when I don't wear makeup, um, you know, <laughs> I look young and, you know, parents and usually the parents that I work with, they're, they're pretty older, you know, um, 
I've never worked with like a young parent. Um, and they see me and they're like, what, what are you going to teach me? You know, like, what do you know about parenting? And so, um, so that's something that I want to continue to work on, like me being confident. And yes, like I, you know, I know like certain things, right. And I'm here to help, like, we're here to work together, but also like, you know, I'm not here to tell you this is what you're, you're going to do, but just being confident and letting the parent know like, Hey, you know, like I'm here to help you heal. And like, you know, I'm here to help heal families. So, and one way to do that is work together. And so, um, just being upfront about that. Um, so it's a, that's a work in progress right now for me. Um, so I definitely want to, um, you know, be, be comfortable. Like I said, before, before I move on to different populations, but I really do enjoy working with adoptive family. So you did touch upon something that's so interesting that, you know, I talked about with my previous guest, Mm -hmm. um, my friend Dundee and something that I sort of talk about with a lot of people. And, and usually it's always like people, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. like brown people and it's the whole Mm -hmm. young complexion because a lot of the times because of it, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, like I've gone to the movie theater and tried to go to like the um, VIP area where yeah. they have like an open bar and stuff. <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm 28. Well, I'm 29 now, yeah. but I was like, I'm 28. Like, come on. I've been legal for mm-hmm. seven years. <laughs> like, what's going on? But, it, it, you know, it does happen where, you know, it becomes concerning because the client's like, oh, you look like you're 15, 16. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, thank you. But I'm old as hell. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, not not old. No, <laughs> no. But I and I, but I do. I think that I. One of the things that I want to continue to work on too is like having that conversation with the parents when they bring it up. Like, right? Like, is is that is there something there that you know they're concerned about? Right? Um, exploring like why are they asking me about my age or if I have kids. Right. Um, cause I, I get that a lot too. Like, do you have kids of your own? And so like, I want to be comfortable in, in exploring that with them. Like, okay, like why, basically like, why are you asking me this and why is this important to you? Um, because I, you know, and I, yeah, I hear it a lot and before it would really, um, just kind of make me nervous and, um, and that will get me, you know, self-conscious and think, you know, am I, you know, am I providing the right information? Am I expressing, my, you know, my thoughts the right way? Um, so that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. And I was actually going to touch upon that as well. Um, because a lot of the times I've seen people talk about, um, you know, having clients who question them on, well, if you haven't gone through what I'm going mm-hmm. through, how can you help me? So whether, you know, it's, it's in my field, like, you know, working with domestic violence, um, have you ever been in an abusive relationship? Um, have this ever happened to you? You know, have you experienced abuse? And obviously my answer is no, I've never been mm-hmm. in a relationship, mm-hmm. first of all. Or like when they say like, 
do you have kids? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to help me with this? I was like, no, I don't, but I don't need to go through that experience or live the same type of life you do Mm -hmm. in order to help support you. And I know different people Mm -hmm. have different answers to that. For me, it's, it's more like, like what I, I remember somebody gave an example. Um, Oh God, I can't remember it. But it had yeah. to do something like with the doctor. Oh, no, I want to know. I think it was more like, um, it might have been the other way around, but I think it's more like going to an OBGYN uh-huh. and it being male and you asking your OBGYN like, oh, do you know what I'm going <laughs> through? But clearly not because right. you're a different sex, but that doesn't mean that your OBGYN right. isn't going to be able to oh, do their job yeah. Yeah. and doesn't know what they're doing, you know? On the contrary, they might have a little bit more knowledge about what's going on inside than you might. So Mm -hmm. I I think that was the example I saw somewhere. But it's kind of along those lines, like you don't have to go through that same experience to help support or give a little bit of insight as to how to, you know, heal Mm -hmm. or better manage a situation. Right. Yeah. No, with that example, like, I feel like, you know, that makes sense, right? Like, and you know, um, and a lot of times, right, like, people don't question, question that, right? Okay, like, obviously, you're a doctor, you know what you're doing. Um, yeah, but and I think, too, like, in, like, if in that situation, you know, just kind of like validating the client, right, like, you know, um, and just like acknowledging that, yeah, like, they went through a hard time. Um, and so, but now here there are, and I'm, I would be, I'm here for, for that support, you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm here to, you know, to support in their healing journey. Um, yeah, but that's, that's a hard one. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times, right. The, um, you know, clients might feel like, well, you don't, you don't know what I'm going through. So how, how are you going to help me? Right. Like, and they ask me about kids, like, you don't have kids, you know, how are you going to know about what parenting looks like? So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've been mm-hmm. thrown that one so many times. Um, but usually I used to counter it with like, yeah, that's true. I don't have kids of my own, but mm-hmm. I've worked with children before. I I've learned tools to help with helping children. Um, sort of improve their behavior or regulate their emotions or just connecting mm-hmm. with them period you know I don't work with children currently but like those are skills that I learned and that you mm-hmm. know I can now pass on to you yeah so that's usually yeah. how I combat that question but yeah I always find that really curious because like you know you're not going to find a therapist who has gone right. exactly through yeah. what you've gone through mm-hmm. and I think perfect time to say you know like you're the expert of your own life you know you tell me how is like how you know how is your experience you know like what do you want to share about your life right and so um and so kind of just like opening up like tell me tell me what you want to share with me you know tell me your experience um yeah and yeah because you know like you said it's going to be hard finding a therapist that you know, that has the same exact experiences, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, it's curious that you mentioned the, 
the line of you're the expert of your life because that mm-hmm. is honestly my favorite line. Yeah. Like I use it in therapy so much because it's true because like, look, mm-hmm. I'm not here to fix your problems. I know there is that misconception of therapy is for the therapist to help you solve your problems, but it's not that, you know, we're here to help you mm-hmm. find the solutions to your problems and you create them mm-hmm. and you implement them right on your own. Yeah. So Yeah, and, and I yeah. remind yeah, my parents too, like, you know, like I'm teaching you tools, right? But I need like I need my parents to practice these tools and and tell me how that's working. And also like I remind them a lot, like you know your child better than anyone you know like I see them once a week um you know and so and I think sometimes like it's like the just hearing that helps the parents a lot more like put things into perspective like yes the parent knows their child way more than I do um you know there's sometimes where kids kind of just show me one side and you know one side of themselves but when they're at home you know just doing their own thing you know they show different different side of themselves a different personality different behaviors and so um and then that's where like I would need the parents to be open about that and share that with me too and so kind of just like working as a team but yeah no absolutely absolutely like I think it's not even kids I think just anyone who goes to therapy in general, like you manifest a very different side to your therapist than Mm -hmm. you do to the people in your daily life. Like it's just fact. So like specifically with working with children and parents, I think, you know, again, giving them that empowerment of, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know them better than I do. And sort of putting the ball back in their court and be like, you have the power Mm -hmm. to change this. It's just a matter of using the right tools and being able mm-hmm. to actually implement right. it. Right. Yeah. And because a lot of times, too, they come and like fix my child, um, you know, or just kind of expect a child to go into therapy and not participate in family therapy. Um, and that just doesn't work, you know? Um, so, you know, especially, you know, with in my program, like they, the family all needs to work together. And so, like, for the kids, you know, meeting with me every week and expecting like a whole new kid, you know, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why I also mm-hmm. stayed okay. away from kids, from working with parent expectations. Because I was like, <laughs> I don't, that, yeah. And it's like, they expect after two sessions that the behavior is going to be different. It's like, no. Like, you have to bond with the kid. Like, you have to create a connection there. You have to build trust, Mm -hmm. just like you would with an adult. And the point of therapy isn't to change them. Mm -hmm. It's to help them. And change and help don't always look the same. But parents are like, oh, I'm going to send my kid to therapy because they're not behaving well. Like, you know, it goes beyond. definitely. (laughs) After a puppy. Yes, um, I that's Milo. Um, he is my uh, my sister's dog. He is Benji's best friend. Benji's my cavalier. Um, he's a little feisty. He is um, he's an interesting little dog. 
he's scared of everything, but then he acts tough, right? Uh, <laughs> so, like, he's always barking. So, excuse, excuse me, Lil. He's a chihuahua. What kind of dog is um, A terrier mix. Yeah, chihuahua terrier. That makes sense. I was like, that bark reminds <laughs> yeah. me of my dog. He's such a sweetheart, though. But his barking sometimes drives me nuts. Yeah, chihuahuas are next level. I was literally having this conversation with my parents, like, an hour ago. Like, mm-hmm. they're just, like, the tiniest creatures. Yeah. But they are so loud. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, like, they act tough. Yeah. But they're also, like, the biggest yeah, scaredy cat. so scared. And, you know, I think he's just, yeah, he's just trying to make himself look tough. But at the end of the day, he's just a little scared of cat. What yeah. kind of dog do you have? A Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. So the one with, like, the long ears. Um, you know, cute, cute eyes. Like floppy <laughs> ears? No. Uh, just, you know, cute everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think you're just you're just talking <laughs> yes. about how much you love your dog. He's my baby. Um, yeah, the one thing about the pandemic is that I'm able to spend more time with him. Um and I just love I just love him with all my heart. <laughs> ah, he's how long um, have you had him? Since he was a baby, so he's gonna be nine years this year. So for about nine years. Yeah. Yeah. So, like recently, I, you know, one of the things that was coming up for me was just kind of like feeling guilty, um, feeling guilty about um, not being there with him as much. And so, when he came into my life, at that point, I always wanted a puppy, right? And I lost a few puppies. Well, not a few. I lost a couple of puppies that meant a lot to me. Um, and for many years, I kept saying like. I, I want a puppy. I want a puppy for Christmas. And that one year in my head, I was like, you know what? Having a puppy in my life is going to be too much. So I'm okay with not getting a puppy. So I kind of made my peace. And that Christmas, I, you know, Benji came into my life. And I went with it, you know, like I was so happy, you know, I've never been so happy before, Um, but I was still in undergrad. And then, like I said, like I moved to Florida, Um, I went to study bar trips and I started graduate school. And so I was working at the group home full time and going to grad school full time. So I didn't really see him as much Um, and I didn't meet his needs the way that I should have. And so I just felt really guilty. And with the pandemic, I was starting to realize that, you know, well, actually when, when I was taking, when I was taking more time to myself, like I started going to therapy. So like my whole like life kind of changed because I was taking it slow pace um, before, you know, just kind of like a, a coping mechanism, right? Like staying busy. Right. That's how I kind of like survived, you know, like I stayed busy, always, always working, always at school. That was my life. And so when I started slowing down my life, I started noticing things that Benji was going through. Um, and I just really appreciate him. Like he definitely has been in my, you know, through my ups and downs. 
um, you know, like after therapy, like at the beginning, like I would take all, you know, like a couple hours, you know, I would take naps after therapy because it was just so exhausting. And, and even before I decided to go into therapy, you know, like I would always like, you know, be in bed and not want to do anything and just kind of like, you know, and he was always there. Always there, always by my side, giving me lots of kisses and never judging me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I love him. That's awesome. Yeah. I think pets are just the mm-hmm. best thing ever. And I think even more so yeah. going through, like, a difficult time. They're just, like... Yeah, definitely. They're for you. Um, yeah, definitely. Especially, like, my family is not very, like, affectionate. Right. And I need some type of nurture, (laughs) some type of comfort. And with Benji, like just by me cuddling with him gave me that comfort that I needed, you know, like it was just it just feels so nice. And just for me, knowing like he's there and I can, you know, play with him, I can be with him. I can cuddle with him that just kind of like you know made me feel good and when I would come home after like working and going to school at night like I would come home and he would just run to me and just be so happy to see me that just kind of like made my day you know like made me forget about how stressful my day had been yeah definitely a bit of a distractor Mm -hmm. but in a good way yeah providing you with that affection with that love that you kind of need especially at the end of the day and and speaking of that like you work yeah super odd hours <laughs> like your program is all over uh-huh. the place in terms of like your work hours because I'm still trying to navigate through that um but I has actually it has been a little bit harder working from home most of the time um because it's kind of hard to separate kind of like, you know, work-life balance. But in even in the beginning, when I first started, it was hard because, you know, basically I meet with the kids, right? And usually I meet with them after school. And so like the whole afternoon, I'm, you know, I'm working. Um, but also I have to make time for like paperwork or, you know, you know, have meetings, consultations or trainings and all that stuff. And so, um, so I, I definitely have put a boundary where I set a time to stop working. Um, you know, I don't want to work past like, let's say like, you know, seven thirty. Um, if I need to get stuff done, I give myself permission to work late. However, I plan a short day either before or later on in the week. Um, because I think before I was always like making sure that I worked throughout the whole week. Um, but now it's like, well, I need to find this balance and I need to pick and choose like how I want to, you know, manage my time. Um, and if I don't get stuff done during one week, that's okay. There's always next week. And so definitely being more flexible and, um, and not putting all that pressure on, like, I need to finish 
I need to finish all of this in this day or this week. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's something a lot of therapists sort of struggle with as well. And I think specifically more so now, like, with the pandemic and moving to teletherapy, like, you know, a lot of the times when you're in the middle of it, it's more about, oh, well, Mm -hmm. I'm home, so I don't have to worry about commute. So I guess it technically work a little bit more because, you know, I wouldn't be getting home until, you know, whatever time or, you know, you start Mm -hmm. making excuses of like, I could probably do more work. You lose that balance. Yeah. No. Yeah. For me, I, (laughs) I absolutely hate working from home. Yeah. Because you don't have Mm -hmm. that sanctuary anymore. Like for me, like I always tell people like the minute I walk out of the office, like that's it. Everything stays there. Because I cannot afford uh-huh. to carry all of this. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that, I think that's great that you're that doing do. that because, yeah, with domestic violence, like you know, you you know, it's so important not to take that home with you. You know, um, so I'm glad that you're doing that. Well, it's something that you know, I think I might have mentioned this in the previous episode, but mm-hmm. it's something I had to learn super early on. Um, I think I learned this probably like three months into internship. Mm-hmm. because I was just like, I can't do this because I was just carrying so much stuff with me. I was like, mm, yeah, there's right. some benefits oh, to being yeah, empath, but this is not one of them. Yeah. And I, and like for me, I think I was just kind of like thinking about what else can I do with this family? You know, and I'm like, you know, this, you know, this child is so great. And, you know, the parent doesn't see it that way. And just like, how can I make this work? And, you know, and, you know, just kind of working through my self-doubt too. Um, But I also, I think, aside from just putting, you know, the, the boundary there, but also taking it easy on myself is super important you know like I'm not gonna fix everything you know like I'm you know I can't do everything um I can't solve all of their problems you know like I will make mistakes throughout my career and that's okay like I will work through those mistakes and so I think before I was just like super nervous about like me making a mistake or not saying the right thing or not doing enough, right? And I had to challenge that, like, and tell myself I am doing enough. Um, you know, like this is all that I can give right now, too. Um, and so thinking, and then also just again taking care of myself and telling myself I need to take care of myself in order to help other people. Um. And so that really has helped me a lot. Um, And also, too, one thing that I was going to say before is sometimes I'm just not in it. You know, like, especially, like, thinking about paperwork or whatever, like, training. Like, sometimes my head is just not there. And I forgive myself for that. Like, it's okay. I'm going to take a break from this right now because I know later on in the week, I'm going to work in a much faster pace and more, I will be more productive where I can finish way quicker than if I were to stay and 
you know, try to finish since the beginning, knowing that my head wasn't there. So I think just really paying attention to that. Um, because sometimes I'm like, okay, I got to finish all of my documentation. Um, you know, at this time, and I know there's certain expectations that I do need to meet in my program. However, I need to prioritize myself and my mental health. So if I know that I can accomplish what I need to take care of the next day, I will do that. You know, like I will, you know, I will say, okay, yes, like I'm totally okay with, you know, with doing it the next day and not beating myself about not being able to complete it that day. Because before I was just like, I need to do this. I need to do this now. This is the way it needs to be. And I would, you know, be hard on myself for not being able to complete that. And so definitely being gentle with myself and, you know, and just checking in and being compassionate with myself. Yeah, I think that in itself, like, I don't know a therapist who Mm -hmm. enjoys the paperwork aspect of this job. It's just so ridiculous. And I think more specifically for like you guys. Um, like with the scales, you have to do all no. the scales and I, stuff, don't I you? Do scales. I I do. Well, I do a different documentation where there oh, okay. are different. Yes. So maybe I'm thinking of a different scale, but yeah, there I do certain documentation that does have um different um scales. So I think I'm thinking of something else. Well, yeah, because we try to get information like you know trauma history childhood history um you know definitely everything (laughs) which it is helpful but also very time consuming there's pros and cons yeah absolutely (laughs) well this actually um falls in line kind of well with the question i wanted to ask next which is um what do you think are some obstacles or struggles you've had? I think definitely some, uh, I think a lot. Uh, some struggles that I've, that I've come across is, well, I think first my own personal struggles, just kind of um, seeing myself in the field, um, you know, where I would not feel like I was good enough to be a therapist and so kind of working through that but also navigating through the field and and um letting agencies know like my worth right and so what a lot of times um you know we don't do this often or or maybe we do I don't know no I feel like a lot of times women don't get offered the same salary as opposed to um the opposite sex. And so that was one of the things that I kind of focused a lot on what I didn't, I think I'm rambling right now, but just kind of one of the things was like me just kind of like paying attention to, um, asking, asking for more. And one of the reasons why I left the previous agency was because I felt like they weren't giving me what I deserved. Um, and so that was, that was like an initial challenge too, where I was like, well, I know that I deserve more, but they're not giving me more. So, um, and so that was really hard for me, um, especially because 
And I think they know this too. Like, especially I enjoy working. I enjoy working with kids. And I think like, it's easy for like, for example, I'll say personally, like it would be easy for me just to accept a first offer because I would definitely want to work there. Right. As maybe someone else is like, I'm here for the money. I know my worth. Right. Like, you know, pay me what I deserve. If not, I'll find somewhere, somewhere else. Um, which is good because they know their worth. Right. And so like for me, just one thing that I, you know, as I move on as well, keeping that in mind where, yes, I enjoy what I do, but I also know my worth and I'm not going to put myself in a situation where someone doesn't appreciate my value. Right. Um, but also another challenge, right? Like I said, just that personal challenges where, um, you know, I felt like I wasn't good enough. Right. So I'm working through that. Um, and also all these expectations, right? Like sometimes I feel like, um, like for example, like personally, like I'm, I'm expected to do a lot, right. To, you know, talk patients, trainings and, you know, travel, you know, to clients' houses and, you know, therapy, that's just a lot of work. Um, and so sometimes I feel like in our field, we're overworked. Um, and agencies don't prioritize, um, our mental health, right? They say like, yeah, we do, or that, you know, they send those newsletters or, you know, sometimes they have challenges, you know, for mental health, right? Um, but I feel like in our field, it's just kind of like, you know, just moving, just a lot of work going on, but we don't really take time to check in with ourselves too like you know it's um I don't know I think I again I'm rambling but that's another thing too where we're expected a lot and we have to know how to take care of ourselves because a lot of times agencies won't do that Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. And it, it's funny, because, um, like a lot of things you've mentioned are things that I've heard in conversations. So definitely, uh-huh. the amount of work of extra work you have to do. So I think a lot of people just look at it from the outside. It's like, oh, all you're doing is talking. No, there's a whole load of paperwork uh-huh. documentation that you got to do on the side. Uh-huh. And then dealing with imposter syndrome. Definitely that you know am I doing a good enough job am I good enough to do this um right you know am I going to be able to continue to do this mm-hmm. uh just all that, dealing with all that self-doubt but definitely the fact that agencies don't yeah. offer enough support and I, I remember seeing a post the other day um and it's basically like you know what prioritize yourself at the end mm-hmm. of the day because the job is just the yeah. job and you can be so quickly replaced. So you have right. to take time for you That's true. because your agency is, is not going to do it for you. Yes. Um, because, yeah, you can get replaced, you know? And and so, but at home, you can't be replaced, right? You're one of a kind. You're, I, And so... And that's the thing. Like, yeah, like, we definitely need to take care of ourselves um, and put those boundaries in place. 
um, you know, and a lot of times, right, agents is like, well, we're, you know, we're providing this, or how can I support you? And they might do one or two things, but that's it, but not something like agency-wide, right, or something very consistent, or something helpful. Um, and so it's a challenge. So, yeah, definitely. And in all, you know, in, you know, every, every job, right? Taking care of yourself because yeah, you can easily be replaced. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one more thing, what would you say is your favorite thing about working in this field or your favorite thing that you've learned while working in the field? Hmm. I think my favorite thing is making connections. Um, you know, just like I mentioned, you know, kind of thinking about my own attachment and working with TBRI and seeing like how attachment really is integrated in relationships, you know, just seeing like, okay, like I can have a connection with this child or I can have a connection with this parent and we can work together. And like that feeling of that connection and working together, that's very powerful. And that kind of like fuels my, you know, feels me, you know, like, okay, like I have something going on here and that makes me feel really good. Um, and so, and I like to keep that in mind because sometimes, you know, work can be tough and sometimes I can feel like I'm not doing enough or I might not see the changes, right? Because, you know, when you heal, right, you know, when you're putting in the work, you know, there might be some micro shifts, right? So there might be some changes here and there that, you know, I might not necessarily see in a family, right? But they're happening, right? And, and in the long run, you know, you know that's going to make a huge difference. And so just kind of, you know, just keeping that in mind that, you know, I might just plant a seed here and there and I'm making connections. I think that's just kind of what gets gets me going. Because that's something that is just so required at its core mm-hmm. for being able to do therapy. Like you need to be able to connect. Because if not, it's not going to work. And you know, that kind of going back to your own experience with that first therapist, like you didn't really connect. You mm-hmm. didn't sense that connection. Right. And that's why yeah. it didn't and really work. A, you know, just, it just, this kind of came up too, but at, right now, you know, in high school, I was like, <laughs> Like I was saying, I was always keeping myself busy <laughs> and I was involved in like so many activities and, you know, I was going into, you know, I was seeing the, like the career counselor and a different one, uh, a different program and they guided me through like the right, like, you know, through the right path. Like they offered me opportunities um, that I never thought of you know like I ended up going to like a business camp which you know I realized I'm not into business but I ended up going to a business camp um and that was because I, you know someone you know saw potential in me and was like I want you to try this out I try different things because um you know you know, teachers or adults were encouraging me to do it you know like like I mentioned I was in this you know I did I taught bike safety um, at camps and that all started with after school matters. And I was in after school matters. I did like 
built a bike. I was like, hell yeah, I get money and I get to build a bike and get to keep it for sure. So I did it. And part of that program was like, you know, practicing how to do a bike safety presentation, which kind of like got me a little bit out of my comfort zone because public speaking is something that I was terrified of doing and I'm still a little bit nervous about doing that. Um, and you know, the, one of the um, teachers there was like, Hey, are you going to apply to the job? You know, I think you would be really great at it. I'm like, really? Like you can, you think I can be good at that? And so I cherish that. Like, I am so grateful that I encountered all these like positive adults in my life throughout, you know, school. Um, where they encouraged me to do other things. You know, my first, my first study abroad trip was, you know, my, um, cross country coach, (laughs) um, you know, he's like, you know, do, you know, let's make this happen. Like I want to, you know, we're going to take some students to France and Spain. And at that point, like I, I was in a neighborhood school. So like all these programs, like, especially like the study abroad one was not something very, it was not common at all. I think that was, they only went like once, I think it was just one trip before us, before I went. And so that was just kind of like opened my eyes, like, whoa, like, like students can actually go, like, I can actually go to Europe. Like I can actually do this. And so like that kind of like, I try also to keep that in mind. Like I want to be that for someone too, like, you know, and so when I'm talking to kids, right, like I... I'm hoping that I can somehow motivate them, right? Or like, you know, or help them identify like those strengths that they have. Because if those adults in my life didn't help me see the strengths that I had, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, you know, done everything that I did because I thought that I wasn't good enough, you know? And so I truly cherish those, you know, those opportunities and those relationships. And so, um, you know, so hopefully, you know, I can do that with, with other kids. Cause a lot of, cause I know, uh, you know, everyone at one point in life, <clears throat> you know, needs to hear like, you know, you're good enough or like, this is what you do. Like, I appreciate the work that you do, you know, and I kind of help them see their strengths because again, like, I feel like I, needed that um and I went a long way because of that wow that's so that's so interesting I think this you know this just puts into perspective again that whole notion that I told you earlier about of mm-hmm. everyone's path getting to this field is so different mm-hmm. like for yeah. you it's like oh you were exploring different things in high school it is but I have to say like after school matters is a bomb I swear, like, I am, I think that program is so important just to help kids explore different things. Yeah. So, like, you said you did the, we built a bike bike safety and we were practicing like bike safety presentations. Um, and that was like the longest, that was the longest, um, after school program. I think it it ran like a few, a couple of weeks longer, I, I believe. I can't remember. Yeah. And every semester I, I did like a different That's one. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I think the bike one was only on sp- in the, in the springtime. 
I honestly can't remember. But <laughs> um, I did it three times in high school. So I ended up getting three three bikes. Um, and yeah, like you're saying, like it it's just so amazing. And so whenever like I have an opportunity to encourage a teen to do it, I'm like, oh, after school matters is the best thing ever. Like sign up for it. <laughs> They're probably looking at me all crazy, like, why does she really want me to join? But it's, I think it's just super, super important because you get to explore different things. Like, you get money, you know, you, you know, you make other, you know, friendships. I don't know. So, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. You meet so many people that you wouldn't have normally met. Um, see, for me, it was acting. Oh, and then I did not know uh, that. Yeah. I did remember acting. Yeah, I mean, I have a little more acting training, but for after school matters, um, I did one semester, and then ah, I also did okay. Um, yeah, radio broadcasting. Yeah, which is funny because that I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that happened right before I did radio in college, or did it happen after? No, I want to say it happened right before. So I did that, mm-hmm. um, and then I just couldn't do more than that first semester. And then I ended up doing radio for so a year. You've been really in into college. like broadcasting, like radio and all yeah. this, like that type of field. Like you had been interested in it since. Okay. Oh, yeah, snap. definitely. I mean, I'm a Leo. <laughs> I I'm very much. I need to be in yeah. the public eye, despite the fact that I have a lot of stage fright. Again, talking about different experiences, like in high school, I had to stay yeah. busy as well. Girl, I was only like three different groups all throughout high school. Mm-hmm. Like I was in the Latin American uh, club, like up until the end of junior year. Yeah. I was in film society. I ended up running that my senior year. I mean, I ran the Latin American club my junior year. Uh, I did some other artsy oh, wow. club. I started a culinary club. I want to go back to the whole high school thing as well, because like you were saying, like you got a, a support that you needed, like you were encouraged mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of like career finding opportunities. Um, for me, it was, I went through my depression probably, well, probably I've had it since I was seven, but like it really manifested when I was 15. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going to school counseling. It, it was recommended. And so I started seeing my counselor there. And that's kind of what led me to decide that this is what I wanted to do mm-hmm. with my life. And then like I my um counselor ended up also becoming my career counselor. And so it was like, okay, this was meant to be. Yeah. This kind of just defined, you know, that this was what my purpose was going to be. But yeah, right. I I was also all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you're saying that's interesting because like it's like you you knew, right? Like you're saying, like you knew that that's what you wanted to do, and but also, like you also explored other, you know, other interests, and I think that's important. You know, I think it's important to explore different things, different interests, um, and especially like now, I feel that, like, yes, like I enjoy my work, but I also enjoy doing other things, and because I have other interests. I can focus on that and not just about my work, um, right? I can have different outlets, and that's super important because, like, for someone 
you know, I've seen before, it was all about work, you know, work, 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 work. And, and that takes a toll on you. And so I think, you know, being like exploring different interests and, you know, as, you know, as young as possible, it's a great thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's so funny because, like, in my mind, I'm going back to, you know, how you said you majored in criminology and sociology in undergrad. Mm-hmm. So my first semester, my, per- uh, my first year of college, of undergrad, I was also majoring in music. Mm. Mind you, at the time, I was like, this is the worst mistake of my life. Why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, why? How come? Oh, my God. Being a music major is so much work. Yeah. Like, I had two times as many classes for music than I did for for psych at the time Mm -hmm. and it was just like it was just so much work I was like what am I doing I was at 21 credit hours like it was too much um but one of the things that I kind of had to reflect upon over this last year was the fact that like you said like everything has been work 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 for so long Mm -hmm. and I was like you know what let me reach out to my old voice teacher from college like she has her like own like private studio now where she does lessons mm-hmm. and I ended up reaching out and I started going back to voice lessons mind you I don't think I'm gonna do anything with it but yeah that's awesome though mm-hmm. and it's like you I've neglected that creative side of myself for so long because I've just been so focused on career 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 mm-hmm. but again like you like you were saying like you do need that balance Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I need to get more in touch with my creative side. Um, but yeah, like one of the things that I ask, you know, my clients is like, you know, what do you like to do for fun? Right? Like, what are your hobbies, your talents? And then when, when I started asking myself that, you know, there was a point where I was like, oh, shit, like, I don't really know. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and so like, okay, one of the things that I love doing is traveling, but, you know, I can't travel all the time, you know, and especially now, I, you know, I, I can't travel, you know, I've been eliminating that. And so there's, I have to have other things that I, that make me feel good, right, that, that I love to do, um, that I can express myself um, in a healthy way. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. Yeah. Also, I was going to mention, I'm a Leo too. Did I know that? I don't think so because I didn't think, I, I didn't know that you were a Leo. I'm a Leo. I'm August 15th. <gasps> oh, August 5th. <laughs> ten days we're apart. 10 days away. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. What year are you from? In 92. Oh, you're a year younger. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a 91 baby. Okay. I'm a Leo with a lot of Virgo traits. Gotcha. Yeah, I was technically technically supposed to be born in September, but oh really? Okay. Yeah, I ended up being a preemie. Yeah. Mm. So like all of my Leo qualities, I need to be at the head of. I need to have some sort of attention. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I have one more off the top, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Um. Because, like, you and I have sort of talked a lot about the culture. You know, it's just in random conversations that we've had. Yeah. 
what would you like to see change in terms of how our culture views mental health? Ooh, yeah. So I would like it to be normalized for sure. Um, I think that, like, I think, you know, like in our culture, there's a lot of like storytelling, you know, um, and I hear this a lot, especially when I go back into my, you know, my mom's hometown, um, where, like where their women are sharing their story, right? They're sharing what they've been through. Um, you know, like even with my mom and my aunt too, like they're sharing their history with me and with others. And I think that is a form of therapy, right? Um, because they're letting it out. But I also, when, when it comes to like, going into therapy, right? Seeing a therapist, it, you know, like, it's not seen as something that you do. It's not, it's not normalized, right? It's like, oh no, like, I'm okay. You know, like, I don't need therapy. Like, I'm not crazy. Like, and it's like, no, you know, like, I'm not saying that you are. Um, And so I, I think that's something that I would like to see, like, you know, for um, parents, for young adults for kids to see therapy as something positive right not you know not seen as like oh there's something wrong with them you know like oh they're crazy quote-unquote right um they need to be fixed um or feel judged because they go to therapy and I and um so I think that's what I would like to see and also like have more um therapists of color and for the community to, to be able to access those therapists. Um, you know, like I said, it was a little bit hard for me to access that. Um, you know, even, you know, kind of just thinking about undergrad, I actually did go to the counseling center in undergrad and I only went for one session. Um, you know, it was an intern, but it was also kind of like, it was also a white intern. And so, I, there was like no connection there. And it was like, you know, me as a young adult talking about like my childhood experiences and, um, cause I was going through the assessment stage and, and then I didn't end up going. And so I think it was a lot for me back then, just kind of going to therapy. But now thinking back also, it was probably because I didn't feel safe right or like I didn't feel like there was a connection like I they understood what I was going through um I was just kind of like this you know brown girl crying because of child's traumas I don't know so I definitely feel like having more access more access and for people to be more open open to therapy I think I think you you said it well, and I think that's kind of the consensus along the line of a lot of, you know, therapists of color right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because not only do we understand the need, we experience it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 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 and I think that's also like, you know, they. I'm kind of thinking specifically with parents, like you know, they might feel like they're a failure, right, for going into therapy. Or they might be just having a lot of feelings, right? 
and not wanting to kind of relive that, like, you know, bring those feelings again and, um, or being judged. And so I think when, and I'm saying this because when I, the first time that I did try going into family therapy, my mom did say like, I felt like I was being judged. Um, and so I'm not doing it anymore. And also, um, like, you know, she, you know, she would like when she started her own individual too, like she attempted. Right. And so she would cry, right. Because she was finally letting all these emotions out and that was too much for her. And she said, I'm not going to therapy because all I do is cry. But also like understanding the process of how therapy can look like therapy can look like super different from person to person. Right. And it is okay to cry. And most of the times at the beginning, yeah, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be draining. Like, you know, I myself like hadn't take naps after my sessions. And so, but it gets easier, you know, it, it gets better. Um, yeah. And, and also like she actually did find one that she really did enjoy, but it was far. It was, it was like 45 minutes away from her. Um, and so she's like, ah, it's too far. Like it doesn't fit in my schedule. So I think, you know, for, you know, for, um, you know, our culture, you know, having that access, not only having therapists of color, but also, um, you know, being able to access it, you know, having the therapist office, you know, in the community right now, far as, you know, far, you know, from the communities, I think that would be helpful as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Being able to access a therapist who, well, I mean, I didn't ask, is your mother bilingual or is she mostly Spanish speaking? speaking? Yeah. So my mother kind of ran into the same problem. You know, I mean, I don't know how long it, it took you to get your mother into therapy, but for me, it's been years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like most of my teenage years into my early adult life. trying to get that woman into therapy and then finally when she finally started going the well wanted to go the issue was getting a therapist who spoke spanish Mm -hmm. and then after that it's like just the consistency Mm -hmm. oh you know because the place that she was going to was you know one of those low-cost clinics Mm -hmm. and so you know how those book up quickly yeah so it was yeah and that discourages people to continue services right and so like oh you know it's not available like and then life happens and then they forget right and so um and that's also another challenge right where if they're not consistent right it's really hard to get back to it um you know and yeah so Mm -hmm. no yeah absolutely yeah Alrighty, so to wrap things up uh do you have any specific goals of what you want to do with your career down the line? Whew. I've been thinking about this um, just because I, I recently um, passed my clinical exam. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Congrats, congrats. <laughs> thank you. It took me a long ass time. And I, yeah. So I have um, um, a whole a journey for that as well. But um uh, so I just recently passed. So I've been thinking about what I want to do 
Um, so far I want to, you know, continue, like I said, I want to continue to work with adopted families, um, you know, really, um, feel comfortable in, in that. And I recently also became a TBR practitioner. And so I want to talk more about TBRI and implement that in my own life and also talk to families about that. Um, and so that's kind of as far as, as I am. Um, in the past, I'm, I'm usually, um, thinking about the future, right? Thinking of making goals and accomplishing all these goals that I have on my list. I've changed that. Um, I'm now kind of living in the present, living in the moment and going things as I, you know, as life happens. Um, because also like thinking about the future kind of gives me a lot of anxiety. Um, and oh, girl, I hear that. Uh, you know, and that caused me just kind of like me not able to me not being able to meet my expectations and my goals really, um, you know, affected me. And so now I'm just like, you know what, this is where I am. This is where I'm going to focus on and we'll see. So I'm, I'm comfortable where I am right now. Um, I want to work more with TBRI and, um, and so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that, we'll see where life takes me, which, you know, it's very exciting. (laughs) I think that's a great way to look at it. And I think specifically in this field, which is ever growing right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's a good plan. Yeah. Just take it a day at a time and, you know, maybe tomorrow you want to do something different, but you're not going to stress out about it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that's a really good way to look at it and a really good way to live your life. To be honest. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Well, Lizbeth, thank you so much for jumping on and sharing a bit of your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for thinking about me and for having me. Um, I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, and we'll catch okay. up soon. Bye. Take care.